everything, you're my wonder. We welcome you, 
welcome you, Rabashedeba. We welcome you, Ikema Sedeba Babashi. Kiendede his kata. Ideba shendiria sadi. Ika nama. Usher us in, Lord, this evening. Usher us in, Lord. Anama hikena. Ikenama sedeba shide. Ikenema mama 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 sedeba. Alaba shideba. Ideba sinde yi katalaba. Eh, you are welcome, Lord. Andama. Usher us in. Usher us in. Ikaba side. Usher us in. Adaba sike. Usher us in, Lord. Ikandabasi. Ikandebosa. Usher us in. To the table which you have prepared. To the high table which you have prepared for us this evening. Inda yike yasa. Ina labash kondora. Andis kandarabosh kata. Endish katende yika. Enana mama 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 sidede. Akalehi. Ekela bahai. Ina mama 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 sidede. Hikenda labashike. Inda rabasike tiada bababa. As I was welcoming the Holy Spirit just now, I heard God say to me that I've prepared a pace for you. So I want to welcome you in. I've prepared a, I've prepared a table for you. I want to welcome you in. Ikanama Shiada. We ascend. Ah Rabasinda. As you have prepared. A table before us in the Rabba Shiketa. We heed to your call, Jehovah. Alaba Sindia. For we have not come that we would hear a word that would tickle us and go home. But we are here. Ah, Shedeba that you would overtake us, Jehovah. That you would be our obsession. That you would cause us to come. That we would search you out. That which we have been learning these evenings is not a word that we can think, oh, that's deep, and leave it there. But there is a searching out that God wants us to do. There is a transaction prepared for us. Kolana Korabode Didaba Kiana Mamma Siede. We see you. We hear you. Kalama Siada. This evening we are clinging to you. We cling to you, O God. Arabashiketa. 
as you usher us in Jesus As you are sure to see, we will yield to you, Jesus. Arrebosh, 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 kata, I hear him saying, Search me, search me. Every evening when we finish. And the mic is put down. He's saying, search me. Dig deeper. Dig deeper. That he would whisper in your ears. Dig deeper. That you would hear him. Dig deeper. That you would ascend. For it is deep. That calls unto deep. sikata. The shallow waters would not do it. Ande mahayida. Ande mahalid kana. The shallow waters would not do it. Ande basike. sikata. waiting for us on the other side there are gifts waiting for us on the other side there is an intimacy we have not seen on the other side don't let it pass you get on your knees and search him out let your deep call on to him. Karabashi, let your deep call on to him. Ikandaya, let your deep call on to him. Ayandiada, my deep it calls. My deep it calls. My deep it calls. Unto you, Yahweh Rabasi. My deep it calls. My deep it calls. Rabasi. My deep it calls. Unto you, Yahweh Rabai. Unto you, Yahweh, unto you, Yahweh, my deep it calls unto you, Yahweh, usher me in, my deep it calls, Araba de de de, 
mighty pit calls. Arabo, mighty pit calls unto you, Yahweh. Kindaraba, mighty pit calls. Mighty pit calls. Mighty pit calls unto you, Yahweh. Rabos. Rebosh kadabas, kiana mama 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 mash, kina rabas idaba. Don't be distracted. Yes. Don't be distracted. Call unto him. Ah, she did. While he may yet be called on for this transaction, call unto him. Yes, that's. Kina mama 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 Alaborie kinan zabradika ladorie bredestebe Shala sebedoria akledombre kista panando brodoshta brakati Wherever you are would you lift your hands to a worthy God Would you lift your hands to a worthy God and open your mouth and give him the fruit of your lips We worship you we love on you we exalt you king of kings and lord of lords Aribiti Arabata. Arabata Aribiti. Can I get some keys? That's the song of Akbata Yaye. Raise that hallelujah. Obatiki in soon. Obatiki in re. Kabiesi. Kabio Mamasio. Borong Borong. Fente Fente. Rabata, rabata, ribiti, ribiti. Ain lobato biju. Ari rala. Ikinwe ya juda. Atoba jaye. Alako sorun. Oromonishe Fayati Oromonishe Fayati Oromonishe Fayati Eileron Nishe Lalei You are the one who has called for this errand tonight. Show yourself strong. You it is who has called for this errand tonight. Now great and mighty God. Spirit of eternity. Governor of the kingdom.
Reveal your glory in this room. Reveal your glory in this room. Reveal your glory in this room. Stretch forth your hand tonight to heal, to deliver, and to save. Stretch forth your hand tonight to heal, to deliver, and to save. Let the weight of your glory, God, be brought to bear on every sense of humanity, on every lesser reality than your will in this room and online. Let whatever is born of the mind of a being that is not you, let whatever reality is the product of a throne lower than yours, be forced into submission tonight. Every other throne is broken tonight at the foot of yours. Every other voice is silenced tonight at the foot of yours. Every other power with us tonight in the presence of yours. Elohim Adonai Melekwalam El Shaddai Eternal Spirit make yourself known tonight. Eternal Spirit make yourself known tonight. Let the people praise thee. Let the people praise thee. Let the earth yield her strength. Let the mountains skip like rams. Let the hills rejoice at your coming. Come like fire. Come like rain. Come like rivers. Won't you come like the rain? Send your spirit down again. Take the keys up in the house, just the house. Larunavandere kis navaradi kuraba atikata bahadi. Elubranan zebre kilaruka ativreneketi. Gilebrede. Gilebreturia kwatataila. Zekotorina nanamande. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for the God of the Spirit that walks in with you tonight. For you do not come alone, but you come with messengers. Leruma, some who will stay with us in the earth realm. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you for strengthening us, Yahweh. Thank you for strengthening us, oh Yahweh. Tonight I rebuke the spirit of suicide and depression. I break it over your life, son and daughter of the Most High.
I declare that it is well with your mind that that chokehold of darkness is commanded to let you go in the name of Jesus. Be free. Be free. I speak to you now. Be free. Be free. Come out of that cave. I locate your soul in the heavens and I move it out of the shadow of darkness into the light of the Most High. I silence the chatter in your mind. Every voice of affliction is is repelled and forbidden from speaking to you any longer. Be set free in the name of Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. Somebody, would you clap your hands tonight and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm excited to be back tonight. Thank you to everybody um, who prayed, sent me a message. Some of you noticed I was away the last couple of days. Um, a combination of the Holy Spirit and my wife. <laughs> I just take the, the gain of the keys down a little bit. Amen. And, and Tony, if you could keep me between here and here tonight, just between here and here. So take this one off completely. Amen. Um, a combination of the Holy Spirit and my wife uh, convinced me to take a few nights off. I was kicking and screaming. Uh, and the moment I made the decision I was going to do that, it was like this garment of protective strength was lifted. And, and all of a sudden, I felt the full weight of uh, the physical affliction that had been trying to latch onto me for, for a few days. But it was good. I got some time. Let's take the, the gain of the keys down, please. Uh, the, the gain of the keys down. It was good because I got some, some, some quality time, just me and the Lord. Um, and yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, I also got some time to experience some insightful transactions uh, in the realm of the spirit to put into more context, or into better context, as if we didn't have enough context already, uh, what was going on around this season in the realm of the spirit. Uh, maybe just take it down on the, on the device itself. But we're back. Um, maybe over the next few days, because of time, I want to get straight to the word of the Lord tonight. Maybe over the next few days, I will share with you uh, some of my discoveries and engagements uh, over the last couple of nights. Um, but as we go into the word of the Lord tonight, I want you to be extremely sensitive, uh, extremely, what's the word I'm looking for now? attentive uh, because I believe that there is a pregnancy in the spirit that God would have us birth tonight. Uh, you should let everybody know that we're up here. We're back. Spread the word tonight. Somebody's uh, encounter with the Lord may very well depend on it. Um, let me say this before I go any further. Um, you will notice that I have not until a couple of weeks ago, this had been missing with me in public ministry for a while. 
So for those of you who think it's a fashion, uh, it's a fashion, what's what I'm looking for now? It's a fashion accessory. It is not, right? Um, it is not flippantly that I wear and accept, I, I never started calling myself one, y'all did, but it's not flippantly that I accept the title prophet. And you'll remember those of you who were there on the 6th of September, uh, 2022, the same prayer meeting in the evening in which uh, I released the word that God had given me that the monarchy was in transition. That word was prefaced by the statement, uh, I am extremely troubled about the United Kingdom. Uh, the Lord told us that night, told me to raise a prayer that night for nations that had gone through a spiritual transition and that were about to go through a spiritual transition. And we took two specific nations, if you remember, Tony, to pray about. One was Kenya, and the other was the United Kingdom. And I said that I, 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 I heard joy in heaven over Kenya's transition, but that I was very disturbed about the United Kingdom. Do you remember? And we began to pray into it. And, and uh, what I didn't share in detail, but if you followed uh, my prophetic utterances for the last few years, what I alluded to was the fact that a warning God had given me that dated back years, but the most recent remembrance of the warning, or shall I say the season where he gave it to me in 2012, but then 2018 in January, he told me to repeat it again. And I said, for all of us who were excited about Brexit, that we'd taken our eyes off the ball. It's, it's on YouTube, you can go watch it. That we'd taken our eyes off the ball because a shaking was coming and that it was going to send both the national, that's what I'm looking for now, the national consciousness and especially the economy over the edge beyond the point, if you remember my exact words were, that a government could rescue it from. In January 2020, I re on the 9th of January, I released another word and I said that I saw a wind coming from the east and that it would bring with it sickness, bloodshed, economic destabilization, and political unrest. And then when February came and COVID arrived, I said again that COVID was the first of four horsemen. Remember I said so? First of four horsemen that had been released in this day. And that on the back of the pandemic, we would see political unrest especially in the state, and I specifically said Nigeria, we've seen that happen, that it will be followed by an economic calamity. Some people asked me and said, was the economic issues of COVID the, the, the fulfillment of the prophecy? I said, I didn't know for sure, but that what God showed me was when that fulfillment came, there would be nothing a government could do about it. And so when COVID came, when the bailouts came and all that stuff, I said, this is good, but it means there's worse to come. I say this to say this. If you love this nation, this is the time to pray. If you love this nation, this is the time to get on your face and not because of an economy where costs are rising. There are forces in the heavens that are battling for the future of our nation, and they are not all seen economically. 
Saints, this is the time to get off our horses, turn our plates over. And the Bible says, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, my people, not unbelievers, not those who don't know God, if those who have a covenant with him would pursue him this way, he says, he will hear from heaven and do what? Heal our land. Ladies and gentlemen, our land is sick. I repeat, our nation is ill in the spirit. And it would take a generation of people of stature men and women who know their way behind the veil which makes the kind of stuff we're looking at over these 40 days even more important it'll take an entire spiritual community of men and women who understand the way of the altar to see us through what the enemy has intended for us let a word be enough for the wise. All right, let's, 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 let's take a step further tonight. Would you turn with me in your Bible? Uh, let's lose the hat tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lose the hat tonight. Don't even get my face towel, please. It's somewhere. I don't know where I left it, but it's somewhere in this vicinity. Pardon? Uh, for now, yes, for now. All right, come with me in your Bible the book of Hosea. Hosea. No, not that one. It's a purple one. It's a purple one. If it, Maybe it's among my stuff. I'm not sure, but it's a purple one. Hosea chapter 6. Um, by the way, I just want to celebrate. Thank you. That's the one. I want to celebrate um, not just Minister Tony tonight, not just Chrissy, but uh, Minister Banda, who led us off in prayer, um, and I'm going to embarrass her now, but she literally uh, drove all the way to my house, thank you, sir, to be my chauffeur tonight. So <laughs> she came all the way to pick me up from home and bring me to the studio. Apostle Jay, Apostle DJ, Darren, yes, these, these are times where it will take the altar to stay our nation all right. Deals are being made in the spirit above our head. Um, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are you hearing me, somebody? Uh, there's a lot of stuff I want to say, but tonight wasn't designed to be a, a prophetic night, so let's get to the word. Uh, perhaps if God releases me, I will put out a video on what's happening and where the church must find itself in the process. Alrighty, so by the way, uh, for those of you who want to know, between now and when this series is over, the 15th of November, uh, Chrissy, let's show them the summit flyer again. This is a countdown in the spirit to the Kingdom Culture Summit. But every Tuesday at 3 p.m., I will be on Instagram live answering some of the questions that come up in this series. Um, so, for instance, a question was sent to me recently about the place of mantles and what mantles mean and if they are transferable and you know um apparently another preacher 
here in the United Kingdom uh, said recently that, well, he said something which is biblical if you understand, but uh, perhaps wasn't, you know, the problem with preaching is you've got an hour to say a lot. So it's not a classroom. And so sometimes you don't go didactically. And so he made a statement he just moved on from that seems to have caused a little bit of a confusion among some of you about whether or not mantles are transferable. And so this Tuesday at 3 p.m. tomorrow on Instagram Live, I will be dealing with the concept of mantles uh, to, to a slight degree and answering that question, where is the place for your own mantle slash a previous mantle? Can mantles be transferred, received, and all that beautiful stuff? So uh, Instagram Live at Cherub Messenger. If you are not on my uh, mailing list, send us an email uh, at contact at Culture, the dog asking to be added, not just the Kingdom Culture's mailing list. Christy, you put that there, the email address. Not just the Kingdom Culture's mailing list, but to my personal mailing list as well so you can get the information when we go live. Alrighty, so let's look at Isaiah chapter 6. It says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he is torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. Verse 2, after two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Verse 3 then says, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, colon, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. For the sake of completion, I'll read the rest of the verse, although the first, the first part of verse 3 is my focus. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain upon the earth. But I want to repeat my sense of emphasis. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. So the last time you guys saw me here on, a, on, a, on an evening on 7 p.m. was day 8. Today is day 12. So I've been absent for three days in the belly of a whale. Uh, but I'm picking up from where I left off on day eight. So technically, in terms of the curriculum, this is quote-unquote installment nine. And one of the things we dealt with on day eight was the concept from Philippians chapter two of following after or following on to know the Lord. We looked at the phrase follow on in the Greek and it meant literally to persecute, to follow after. It meant to persecute, to apply pressure, to treat with extreme hostility in the process of getting what you want. Tonight, we take that thought a little bit further. We have established that God is spirit. He is a spirit. He's an Elohim. And that must be the central, the centrality or the central point 
from which we begin our journey of knowing him and a relationship with him. That the, the attempt to demystify God in our generation, especially in Western civilization, has led to the most diluted and least potent expression of the church in living history. God is, in bracket, a spirit. The word a in bracket, because the Greek doesn't have the a, but it helps us to understand. He then says, there's colon, he's, or before that, he's seeking those who worship him. So we established on day two and three that there is a class of spirits, Elohim, entities that govern regions and civilizations from the spirit realm that are seeking worship. The word worship in the Greek is the word proskineo. It means the sum total of your life and reality that demonstrates and expresses a sense of allegiance to and the acknowledgement of the supremacy of another thing. And therefore, he then says in John chapter 4, because he is a spirit, colon, if we will proskineo him, it must be done within the confines of what the Bible refers to as in spirit and truth. We then switch to Psalm 8, where the Bible explains that he is not just expecting to be proskineoed. Oh, we first of all dealt with the context from, John, uh, from Daniel 11, 32. That they that know their spirit, their Elohim, the word God there is Elohim. So Yahweh is an Elohim, not every Elohim is Yahweh. Israel is a man, not every man is Israel. Does that make sense? And that them that know their Elohim will be strong and do exploits. In essence, there is a battle for exploit in our generation. And it is only men who know Yada, who have an experiential interactive relationship with their Elohim that can be strong and do exploits. Are you with me, somebody? And then we moved on to see from Psalm 8 that, oh yeah, in Daniel 11, that there is such a thing called a covenant. And we explain that the covenant, the Elohim human covenant is a set of parameters, la runas kapati, between spirit being and human that govern and regulate this interaction. That it is only by a covenant that a man has consistent practical access and exposure to the realm of reality of a spirit, an Elohim. And conversely, it is only via a covenant that an Elohim can have express access and interaction and regulation of a man or group of men and their natural outcomes. And so if you will walk with God or any spirit, it will be on the terms of a covenant. Somebody say a covenant. Uh, yes, if you will have more than a one-off encounter every once in a while. If, if you walk into a church or a temple or a mosque or, or a shrine where there is a consistent presence and a consistent activity of the divine in the earth, someone has a covenant. Are you listening to me? If it, is, if it can be predicted 
treated with some degree of certainty and regularity that a divine presence will be in, in view and a divine ability will be at work if, if, it must, if it's something that has any degree of consistency to it I can tell you there is a covenant, somebody say covenant uh, if you look at a family or a region or a country or a nation or a city where there is a recurrent dimension of supernatural evil that is predictable, you can predict how this generation will look because it will look like the one before and the one before looked like the one before if you know that on average for instance in the united kingdom by the time a child is 18 if she lives below this poverty line level she will more than likely have had a child or two outside wedlock it is because i am telling you believe me there is a covenant at work If it can be predicted that no one, that every person in this family system gets this cancer by this age, I'm telling you somebody, see, even medical science now knows in the West, when you go to a hospital and present with certain medical conditions, the first question they ask is, does this run in the family? They understand from the medical side what the Bible teaches us in the spirit, that the life of the creature the life is in the shalavadia the nefesh someone say nefesh is in the blood and so uh, 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 bloodlines are not just the encapsulations of genes and genomes they carry a reality someone say a reality a reality of existence that transfers covenants from one generation to another and so when Yahweh reveals himself to Israel, he gives them a covenant. When he reveals himself in the generation of Moses, he says, I am the God that your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had a covenant with. Are you hearing me, somebody? You will be interested to know that even the New Testament, even our relational interaction, our salvation, according to Galatians chapter 3, is predicated on a covenant. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the covenant jeremiah 33 and ezekiel 33 talk about a new someone say a new covenant a new covenant hebrews tells us that if god didn't find fault with the old one there would be no need for a new one and so even though the parameters change the function of a covenant is always the same and that function is this to create the contextual technology for emmanuel where God can dwell among his people. That is the purpose. And then we moved further to see that this covenant relationship has two sides. Man must proskineo our Elohim, in this case Yahweh, but Psalm 8 tells us that he wants to, he is mindful of us, meaning this covenant gives us legal standing in his eyes, and he wants to visit someone say visit um, we saw that every man who walked with god throughout the bible had a pattern 
of visitation. Someone say visitation. Then we move further on, on night seven and eight to understand the context of communion. That he doesn't want this interaction to be just a master-servant relationship, but he wants fellowship. And we define fellowship from scripture and from examples in scripture uh, as a mingling, an intertwining, a fusion of two things. This is why uh, the Bible tells us, Paul says, that if we are one with God, we become one spirit. Somebody say one spirit. There is, a, there is a give and a take. There, it's no longer Tony and Jesus or Tony and the Holy Spirit. A time comes where we show the example of pouring two sources into one cup where we can't with any degree of certainty separate between Tony and Jesus. And then we ended night eight. I'll, I'll be fine, thank you. We ended night eight with the understanding that this fellowship while it starts in the new covenant at salvation salvation is only the door each of us is given a blank check as to how far we want to follow after in essence you can decide where you stop in your pressing into this fellowship. Let's pick it up from there tonight. Have I done a decent job in summarizing the last week? Mandy, would you say so? Okay, high five, high five to the Holy Ghost. All right, Hosea chapter 6. Chrissy, come with me. And so Hosea tells us here, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. The two words know here are yadar, experiential intercourse. There is something the Bible is saying that we will experience, we will know experientially, we will become one with, if we follow on to become one with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, that word follow on is the Hebrew word redap. Again, it's the Hebrew version, as you can see on your screen, of the word we looked at in the Greek to establish that last week in Philippians chapter 2. It means to follow after, pursue, persecute, run after, to harass. Somebody say harass. So again, we see the context here that God is asking us to harass him. Somebody say harass him. God wants to be harassed. Someone say he wants to be harassed. Why does he want to be harassed? Now let's return to, was it day three or day four? What is God? Who remembers? What is God? What is God? Spirit. 
Who is God? Love. Remember, what is God? Spirit. Who is God? Love. What is man? Spirit, soul, and body. What is man? Man is spirit, soul, and body. Man therefore suffers from a problem in coming to this table of relationship that God does not. God is homogeneous. Man is heterogeneous. Are you with me? There is only one component of God's reality. He is spirit. Man, on the other hand, shares that component. He is also spirit. But there are two other layers to him that complicate the process. These other two layers are soul and body. Now, if you have been a part of the quorum, which I stress, these 40 days are pretty much the quorum on steroids. We have gone through this before, but let me attempt to summarize this reality in 10 minutes or so. Mandy, do you think we can do that? Come with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Again, we're still trying to establish the boundaries and the parameters of this relationship between Elohim and man. We spent the last eight, well, the first eight days I was teaching, dealing primarily with the Elohim side, with a few exceptions. Now we want to cross the aisle. We want to see, in essence, if there is a problem with this interaction, where is it likely to lie? With the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, or the one who has humanistic, fickle tendencies? In essence, if there is a problem, if, if there is a... Let, let, me, let, let me back up a little bit. What I'm attempting to do over the next few days is show you that the idealistic scenario I have painted for a week in practice has problems. In essence, when you get saved, if you do not have this beautiful visitational covenant shift in reality that is designed to be your birthright. The next few days are an attempt to diagnose where is the problem. If your experience of and with God is not as advertised, let's figure out where the problem is likely to be. All right, Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth and all that good stuff, right? And then in verse 26, come with me now. Verse 26, the Bible says, and God said. And somebody could jokingly say famous last words. 
And God said, let us make man in our image, comma, after our likeness, colon, and let them have dominion, dot, dot, dot. For the purposes of my point tonight, dominion over what is irrelevant for now. It's relevant in the bigger scheme of things, but for the purpose of where we're going tonight, it doesn't matter what the dominion is over for today. It simply matters that he was asked to have dominion. Let us, now I have explained this at ad nauseum. I did it teaching at the quorum. I did it in, in first in 2017 slash 18, and then again early last year in a series of devotionals explaining that the us here is not the Trinity. It is not. Please take my word for that. I know it, I know it will violate everything you were taught in, in Sunday school and theology, but it is not. And I, I, I don't have the time these 40 days to remake the case. So you might want to go back over the quorum videos and for those of you who have the devotionals and if you were not part of this community when that was taught, let's know by writing in. We'll see if we can find the material to send you to go through. The us here is not the Trinity. There is nowhere in the Bible where God referring to the Trinity pre-Jesus uses the phrase us because he is one God. This language is repeated several times in scripture. And it is the introduction, and I should also add, if you want further exposition on this, there was a man I stumbled across years ago when I first started delving into this, and I thought I was crazy, and I was looking for who out there, because one of the things you must understand about revelation is God hardly ever gives a revelation to one man in isolation on the planet. If you're the only one who's heard God say something, there's a problem. So I began to do my research and I found a scholar of repute called Dr. Michael Heisler, who wrote books like The Unseen Realm. And that book, The Unseen Realm, is perhaps the most concise and exegetical breakdown of this concept. I recommend it to every serious Christian. Dr. Michael Heisler, H-E-I-S-E-R or S-L-E-R, L-E-R the unseen realm, and he lays out the case. And when I read it, I cried. I thought, I'm not crazy. Somebody else sees this. But there is a language throughout history of God speaking to his created beings to be involved with him in certain decision-making processes. An example is in the book of Daniel chapter 10, 11, and the Bible says that a matter carried out by God, Nebuchadnezzar becoming an animal, was by the decree of the watchers and the determination of the holy ones. This is an introduction to study a concept called the council of heaven. The theocracy of God surrounded by a democracy of his created beings, whom that council man was elevated into, at his creation, but man is not the only member of that council. Are you with me? All right. But he says to a group of beings, a group of Elohim in his image, we're going to give you a junior brother. 
We're going to create another being that shares our image and is after our likeness. Now let's, let's go a bit deeper. Somebody say go deeper. Okay. Let's go a bit deeper. Now the word image is the word selem. Somebody say selem. Selem means a show or an illusion or a representation. Someone say representation. The same way a photograph is the image of me. Or an idol is the image of me. Are you listening to me, somebody? This is one of the reasons why God says, don't make a graven image. Because God is not a dead God. There are images of him on the planet today. Look at your neighbor say, hello, image. In essence, the relationship between the world and God was designed to be the relationship between a pagan a physical idol and the spirit the idol is represented by by the physical idol Ephesians 3 puts it this way the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to principalities and powers by his church in essence something that represents him in another dimension are you with me so my picture is my image in the two-dimensional world. It is a capture of me. Uh, it, the, the, I believe the, world, the word in online space is avatar. It's a representation that tells everybody this is you dealing through this online picture. Mm. The word also connotes, when you break it down in the Hebrew, it also connotes, somebody say raw material. In essence, to be God's image means you can represent him or be a representation of him because you share the same source material. And that would be what? Spirit. It then says likeness. Let's look at that word likeness, shall we? Are you with me tonight? I'm, I'm taking my time because this is important. Amen. Is the word demuth. Someone say demuth. Demuth, not moot, muth, means similitude, fashion, manner. Someone say manner. It means something that acts or behaves like something else. Are you hearing me? So God is saying we're going to create another member of our image class. He is going to be able to represent me. Right? Or us. And he will be constructed to function in the same way he'll have the same modus operandi likeness the next word then is very, uh, next uh, punctuation is very telling it's a colon it then says and let them have dominion in essence 
when you put the image of God and his likeness together in an entity, it only makes sense that that entity will have the capacity and even the desire to establish dominion. Someone say establish dominion. And, and while it is beyond the context of this curriculum, I should explain to you that dominion must be established. The Bible says in the days of David the king that he established his dominion beyond the Euphrates. Dominion is never given. It has to be established. Someone say established. In essence, there is a process to creating the technology and the context, the construct, the framework through which your dominion over anything is unchallenged. If you don't believe me, give birth to a child and you will find out that dominion must be established. That baby doesn't come out of the womb accepting your parental authority. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. That child does not come out of the womb saying, yes, mom, yes, dad. In fact, they come out of the womb giving you instructions with their cries. And there is a process by which what you are in authority over has to be trained to respect your dominion. But that's beyond the scope of this 40 days. Let them have dominion. Over what? Irrelevant for tonight. Verse 27 then says, So God created man, listen, in his own pause. Further credence to the fact that this is not the Trinity. Listen, God said, meaning he was talking to someone else. Are you with me? The only time God ever spoke to someone else as himself was when Jesus was incarnated. That was the first time God existed as a separate quote unquote entity. So he's talking to someone or someones. He says, let us make. But then he then makes it clear, I am going to make him in my own image. Pause. In the image of God, he created him, colon, male and female. Now, again, I, I, that's beyond the scope of tonight. But the image of God is not seen completely in any one gender. Can I get a witness? And blessed them. The blessing of God rests equally upon male and female. But I digress. Now, if God is spirit and he created man in his image and his likeness and blessed him and spoke to him and gave him instructions, what do you believe the thing he created is in Genesis chapter 1? God is what? Spirit. He created man in his image, meaning as a representation of him, as, as a copy of him, right? And in his likeness, meaning to function like him, right? In essence, there will be congruence of, of, of compatibility. Think of it as, as a Mac software on an iMac and on, an, and on a Mac tower. Two different hardwares. Two, one is more powerful than the other. One has greater capacity than the other. But you can run the same program. You can start typing a document on my MacBook Pro 
and then carry the same document over to the Mac tower and finish it because they can run the same software. So what was man in Genesis chapter 1? Man was spirit. Do you agree with me so far? Are you with me? Man was what? Spirit. In Genesis 1, all that existed of man was spirit. And it's important you understand that, that the oldest part of man is spirit. The oldest part of man is spirit. Why is that important? You will see in a second. But remember, the oldest part of man is spirit. And how old is that spirit? As old as the day referred to in Genesis chapter 1. Mm. Let's keep moving. Genesis chapter 2. Christy, scoot over with me. Genesis chapter 2. God finished the heavens and the earth. These are the generations. Again, we've talked about all this in the quorum. No time to go through all that. And then in verse 7, and the Lord God... Formed, someone say formed. Ah, I forgot to show you that the word create in Genesis 1 is the word bara. You remember? What does bara mean? Bara means to pull something out of something that cannot be seen. Bara means to bring something from an unseen world into a seen world with no seen component. Pardon? Well, ex nihilo, if you want to put it that way, yes. It means there is no physical component from which this thing was crafted but look now at the word formed in genesis chapter 2. you'll see it's a different word it's not bara it's the word come on who remembers what the word is it's the word yatsar 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 means to form fashion or frame it's also translated as potter in essence it means to look here look at definition on the screen through the squeezing into shape to mold into a form especially as a potter figuratively to determine i.e. form a resolution, earthen, fashion, form, frame, make, potter, purpose. In essence, it means to take something that already exists, right, and craft it. Now, notice it says, and the Lord God formed man. Now, there's a problem here. Because in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says God created man. And then here we see it says, is anybody in the Wi-Fi you might want to get off now? Now we see it says here, he did what? He formed. Someone say formed. And so to make sure live drive isn't running, please. 
He formed man. And notice in both scenarios, he refers to the object as man. So there is a sense or a component of man that was created. Someone say created. In Genesis 1. And then in a different era of time. Right? At least 24 hours later, maybe more. Because the seventh day was a long time. We've explained. Genesis 1 keeps saying the evening and morning were the first day, evening and morning were the second day. It doesn't tell us the evening and morning were the seventh day. The seventh day was the entire period from when day six ended to when man fell. And that's why God tells us, remember the Sabbath day. Remember the seventh day. The day in which there was unbroken koinonia between God and man. Remember we looked at back and said God walked in the cool of the day. The word cool of the day is ruach. But cool is ruach, day, yom. In essence, in the day of the spirit or the spirit's day. In the day of the... Uh, let's keep moving. I ain't got time tonight. And so, we now see here that at least 24 hours, probably more later, God forms something from the dust of the earth. Someone say from the dust of the earth. Someone say from the dust of the earth. This cannot be what God created in Genesis 1. Can it? First of all, two different words are used, bara and yatsar. They mean two different things. Secondly, is the dust of the earth the image of God? Is the dust of the earth, does it behave like God? Can it be the, can it be the, 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 um, the, the muth of God, the likeness of God? No, it can't. Come with me, come with me sorry, I'm, 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 if I'm slurring my words, to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Let's look at a very important scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember thy creator in the days of your youth. The evil days are coming, the years draw nigh, and all that beautiful stuff. And then it gets to verse 7. Listen. I don't have the time to go into verse 6. Because this is where mythologies like the Greek get the concept of the fates cutting a cord for man to die. Look at verse 6. A silver cord be loosed, golden bowl be broken, pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. These are all spiritual metaphors for what goes on in the spirit when a man dies. And you might want to study what each of them mean. What's your silver cord? What's your golden bowl? What's your pitcher? And what's your wheel? But I digress tonight. Verse 7, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. And the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And if you look at verse 5, it's making it very clear in verse 5 that this is talking about a human being dying. 
before man goes to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. Someone say the dust returned to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to who? God who gave it. So when a man dies, when his life on earth comes to an end, what happens? There is a separation of what was created in Genesis 1 and Ecclesiastes 12 tells us it's the spirit and what was formed in Genesis 2. What was formed? Something from the dust. In essence, God took the dust and molded it into something. That molding goes back to dust. We know from biology and from experience, we know that is the physical body. When a man dies and you put him in the ground, you come back years later and all you find, if you're lucky, are bones. If you're lucky. Because the physical body was simply a container crafted from the dust. It then says, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. The question now is, do we have any reference for God giving anything that can be referred to as a spirit? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, let's go back. To verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. We see that, right? And notice he doesn't say formed man's container. You know, I told you on day two or three that while I honor as a patriarchal father, I have read all his books and he has been a huge influence on forming my spiritual pathway, the ministry of the late great watchman Nee. This is the one and only area we disagree. Man is not a spirit that lives in a body and has a soul. That's not biblically correct. You know, I told you, if you want a, uh, a breakdown, uh, a co-laborer of mine in the faith I was told when I first said this a year or two, was it two or three years, two years ago, no, last year or so, somebody sent me a, a, a message that he preached breaking it down. I said it for like five, ten minutes. He took about an hour and a half or two. I listened to about 20 minutes of it. I agree with what I heard. I would recommend you go listen to it, right? His name is Apostle Romeo Sai. Now, I've only listened to about 15, 20 minutes of that message, but the 15, 20 minutes I listened to, I firmly endorse and knowing his reputation, I would suggest that the rest is perhaps safe too. Man is not a spirit that merely lives in a body and has a soul. That has been, and I said this a year and a half or two years ago, that has been the source of much error. God refers to what he formed as man. He calls what he formed in Genesis one man. He calls what he, what, no, what he created in Genesis one man. He also equally calls 
what he formed in Genesis 2 as man. So hear me. Your body is no less man than your spirit. Are you with me? So the demonic doctrine that says that you can sin in your body, but as long as your spirit did not sin, or you can do something in your body, but as long as the spirit did not sin, God is not counting it as sin, is a lie. From, I'm, 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 being, I'm joking with this statement now here. From the seventh dimension of hell, I know there's a joke about seven diamonds. I'm just joking. It's a lie. In fact, hear me. The Bible says someday, listen, for those of you, let, let, let me give you the scripture. Let me give you the scripture. La korokora bahasa sekonende bebedi asha mariete. If you have fallen, uria mononunde ketete parakuria parada. One second. Ishonanda Kore Petinandoro Coproti. Second Corinthians chapter five. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In case there is anybody who has been under the thrall of that demonic doctrine that is a perversion of faith, of, of grace, and again, when men are not able or willing to live according to the example of scripture. Rather than paying the price to find out why, like we're doing in this series, and press in, it's fallen human nature to reduce the scripture to our experience. It's the same spirit that works with cessationism that says there's no more miracles, signs, and wonders. That same spirit also says there's no holiness because you can just do acts in the body, but because you are spirit. Everybody look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Can we, let's put this demon to bed once and for all. Someone say demon. This, that, 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 that doctrine is a demon. Please, everybody, can you read, if you're in the room with me and if you're online, can you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 out loud? Pause. Can, can somebody come here? Apostle D, you're right. Can somebody come here? Can one of you come and take up a mic and, and read it out? Tony, come on, come on. I want, I want someone else. Read it from your Bible, not mine. Read it from your Bible. Let, let the people hear. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. According, thank you, sir. According to the things done where? In his body. So you will give an account before the judgment seat of Christ for the things done in his body. Now, let's, if that's not clear enough, let's go further. For those of you who have been so bewitched by this demonic gospel, let's look at the word in. <laughs> uh, because some people argue, well, what does it mean by in? The word in here is the word dia. Someone say dia. Look at what it means. It means through, with, 
for the sake of and because. Look, it's used as by. So in essence, when it says the things done in the body, it could be the things done by the body, right? It could be the things done through the body, the things done with the body, the things done for the body, the things done for the sake of the body, right? The things done because of the body. Are you following me, somebody? A primary preposition denoting the channel of an act through, in very wide applications, local, causal, or occasional. In simple English, if it was carried out by your body, or it happened while you as a human being were still bound to your body, you'll give an account for it. Can we put that gospel to bed? Okay. I just, I just thought to, to kill a spirit, drive-by shooting. Let's get back to, to Genesis, shall we? So, your body was formed from the earth. Why? Because, listen to me, in Genesis 1, God said, let's make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion. In so doing, God drew a dividing line between his image bearers and there were some image bearers who would be permitted to have dominion in the earth. Some other image bearers, which this study will go on later to show us, are the other Elohims seeking worship. Sadly, we will also show you that man that contains a spirit also has the capacity to seek worship. But these other created Elohims were left out of the transaction of dominion in the earth. And so for God to delineate who had dominion in the earth from who did not have dominion in the earth, he created a body from the earth. And this in itself is a spiritual principle. You must be connected to something to wield true divine definition, dominion over it. If God is going to exercise dominion in a bloodline, he will find someone from that bloodline. If God is going to exercise dominion in a nation, he will find someone in that nation. I repeat, at the risk of arrogance, in this season, some of us have been given responsibility for a nation. Monday, when we're coming today, I told Satan, or was it when we got here, I said, Satan, you should have left me alone in the days where I only wanted to build God a church. 
said, if I was you, I would have assisted me in building God a church. I said, I don't want a church anymore. Why? Because the God of the Hebrews has visited me and has asked me to bring him a nation. And it cannot be the job of anyone outside the nation to bring him the nation. I told you I had a dream, one dream in four parts over the last two years. And in the dream, there was a conversation of world-renowned apostolic voices. And they asked me, they said, Israel, how can you be here and your country looks like this? And then they said, we are busy. We have assignments that God has given us. Can you please take your seat so we stop worrying about the United Kingdom? And then I woke up and I said, Lord, point taken. Does that make sense? But I have skin literally in the game. God says, I will create a body from the seen realm through which you will interact with the seen realm. You will see in the rest of Genesis 1 that God goes through the same concept in forming the animals. Read Genesis chapter 2, sorry. After God forms man, the animals he created in Genesis 1, he also forms them too. The difference is he doesn't breathe his breath into them. We'll see that in a second. In essence, your body is no different in its composition than that of an animal. You don't believe me? Let's, let, let's go there, Chrissy. Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. Shalima Hatika Bahadia. This was in verse 19. Verse 19. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. Some say every. And every fowl of the air. And brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Someone say formed. Out of the what? The ground. The word formed there, you can check, is the same word. It's all. So the part of man called the body on its own is no different from an animal. You must understand that. It is not that body is not in the image of God. That body is not in the likeness of God. Are you hearing me? It's not made from the same composite material as God. It does not obey the same rules as God. It is a visa to exist and function in the earth realm. No different from the same visa any other animal or bird has. It responds in the same way. Hunger, pain, pleasure, delight, fear, stimulus. You must understand that. There is a dichotomy. You are one-third the same material as God and one-third the same material as a bird 
or a dog? <laughs> this is what Jesus means when he says that there is treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So if anybody asks you why humanity is capable of such depravity, the first answer is a third of our composition is no different than any other animal species on the planet. And I am not an evolutionist, stay with me. But I'm saying, left to the devices of the body, it will respond the exact same way as a dog or a chimp or a bird would under the same conditions. Whew. La Sumaraka, Tony, help me out. So how did God finish this process? Remember, the Bible says, when man dies, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the body goes back to the dust from whence it came. Said so the spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, how did God give this spirit? What was the process? Let's go back to verse 7 of Genesis 2. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed, someone say breathed, into his nostrils the breath of life. Let's look at the words breathe and breath, shall we? The word breathed is the word napa or nafak. It means to blow. Someone say blow. The definition is to inflate. Listen, listen, listen. Or to kindle. To inflate. To scatter or to kindle, to expire, someone say expire. It means from within him, God pushed something out into that physical container he had crafted. So the question then becomes, where was this thing if God had to blow it? It was in God. God is, I told you in the Greek there's no A in John chapter 4, is spirit because he is not quote unquote one of just many spirits. He's the source material of everything that fits the definition spirit a simple way of thinking about it would be what we call the spirit realm is literally the insides of god every other discrete spirit you got it now is a piece of his raw material that he carved out 
and allowed to have, listen, his image. The image literally is the ability, amongst other things, or the propensity. Image plus likeness means, image means the ability, likeness means the propensity to exercise dominion. In simple English, listen to me, free will. And God gives a piece of himself the right to make decisions outside him. He has created the thing. And so God takes that piece of himself and blows it into man. The Bible says, and man became. Someone say became. A living soul. Let us look at the word soul. It's my favorite word, Tony. Our favorite word, nefesh. What does nefesh mean, everybody? Soul, self, life, person, creature, heart. Let's go further. The seat of appetites, the seat of emotions and passions, the activity of the mind or of the will or of the character, a breathing creature, used widely in a literal, accommodative or figurative self. Any appetite, creature, desire, Lost, man, me, mind, mortally, own. In essence, in simple English, the component of man that has the capacity, listen, to think, to feel, or to make a decision. And it will interest you that the Bible does not say man developed a soul. It says man became a soul. Man did what? Became. How did man become a soul? Let's, let's look at the word became. I, 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 let's look at the word became. I'm, I'm trying to finish tonight, but, but let's just wrap this thought off. And then if you like, you know, if you, if you, if you believe God is on a journey with you. Don't, don't miss tomorrow. Amen. And I'll be back here tomorrow. The devil is a liar. Amen. I'm going to say I'm back. Say he's back. I'm back. Like I never came. Like I never left. For the first time. Let's look at what became. It's the word haya. Someone say haya. Haya means to come to pass. To happen, to fall out, to occur, to take place, to come about, to arise, to appear, to become, to be instituted or established, to abide, remain, or continue. In essence, what happened when the breath 
of the spirit. What spirit is what ruach, literally spirit. In essence, God, the same word used to talk about the Holy Spirit, was sent into this molded container. A third component became active. The consequence was a reality called the nefesh was born. Listen, and man from that point in time could be understood not just by the body or the in essence, if you wanted to identify a man, you would look at his soul. In essence, listen, the body is loyal to what it came from. You never have to, you, 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 you never have to judge the body's loyalties, right? The body is bound by the rules of the realm it came from. It always wants to obey, left to its own devices. It wants to function within the context of how its causal realm is. It's sensitive to cold, to heat, hunger, pain, pleasure. It, the body is not, in essence, the body is not good or evil, per se. It's just bound. And that's why, listen, sir, ma, you know, listen. You know, when my wife gave me some advice on Thursday night when I came home, she looked at me, she said, something was wrong with you today. I could tell you weren't well. She said, my advice is three days off. In my mind, I'm like, no, I'm at the battlefront. And I went to the Holy Spirit and he reminded me that my body is bound to the rules of the earth. She should know those rules. She's a medical doctor. And he also reminded me, Tony, that if, I if, if my body decided to separate from me, in essence, if you pull your body in a direction that breaks the laws of the physical world, it will tell you bye and it will hold on it, it will say i'm going back to where i came you this wicked person you can go where you want to go in essence it is possible listen listen you got to be careful now with this don't take this too far but understand what i'm saying it is possible to be so far in the pursuit of god in your spirit that your body says leave me behind since you love jesus so much you go meet him i'll stay here it's called death I hear me. And Enoch walked with God until he was no more. His body said, I can't handle this anymore. You go and meet the love of your soul. You get it. So you must walk within. Now, now the body is very, the body is far more. That's what I'm looking for now. It's capable of far more than you might think. For instance, you can go 40 days without food and be alive. You can go three days without water and be alive. You definitely can go 24 hours without food. So don't, don't, don't give me that nonsense, right? You, you were created to pray and not to faint. So, so I'm, not, I'm not asking you to give excuses for your inadequacy in pursuit of God. But I'm saying... There are limits that even God understands your human body has. The same way, your spirit is also prefixed. It is set 
Why? It came from God. Listen, your human spirit is, is capable of... Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Your human spirit is capable of functioning in any way God is capable of functioning in. Now, I didn't say it's capable of accomplishing everything God is capable of accomplishing. But it's capable of running any process God can run. Does that make sense? So your spirit is bound by the rules of the realm from which it came. Your spirit will always, the same way your body will always default to loyalty to the rules of the seen world, your spirit will always default to the loyalties of the rules of, this, of, this, of the unseen world. Which is why when Adam fell, his spirit, quote unquote, died. Quote unquote. The spirit says, I can't function like this. A circuit was broken. A fuse blew in the circuit. Because the spirit is loyal to where it came from. There's only one part of you that has a, has a decision to make. It's called your soul. And that's why the Bible says man became. From that point on, God was going to judge man based on the disposition, position, and functioning. I repeat, the disposition, the position, and the outward expression of his soul. Which is why the Bible would say things like, the soul that sinned shall die. Abraham said, God, if you find, oh, I, I just, I, no time tonight. In essence, as we will look at starting tomorrow, this proskineo, this relationship between God and man that man must do, is all a function of the soul. David would say things like, my heart and flesh cry out. <laughs> In essence, the part of you that must follow after, that must harass God in this koinonia, is your soul. However, because your soul does not exist from the dimension of the spirit, it is not the part of you that God will respond to. Do, do, do we have time to look at that real quick? Real quick to see where this issue comes in? Okay, let's go to the book of Job. The book of Job. Shila Ramakoyata. Job 32, verse 8. Shandele Kuramahasi. Job 32, verse 8. Verse 7 says, I said they should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Verse 8, look, 
but there is a spirit where in man notice it does not say man is a spirit he says there is a spirit in man listen and the inspiration of the almighty gives them understanding let's look at the word inspiration let's look at the word inspiration it's the word nesama someone say nesama or neshama which means breath someone say breath so some translations correctly say and the breath of the almighty does what gives this spirit understanding let's look at understanding real quick i'm almost done for tonight let's look at understanding it's the word bin or bini it means to discern understand consider perceive know listen with the mind intelligent discreet have understanding to be attentive and consider prudent regard teach think you see there's a problem when god deals with man glenn says i should take my time <laughs> i'm almost done glenn when god deals with man amanda he deals spirit to spirit when man deals with god it has to be initiated by the soul we'll look at this tomorrow so there is a feedback loop god deals with man via inspiration and we're going to talk about this one we're going to talk about how a spirit speaks to a man we're going to demystify hearing god's voice this is going to be weeks eight and nine of hearing the voice of god Tony, a spirit deals with man through man's spirit. Every spirit does via inspiration. In essence, there is a breath, a push. Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and life. It then reacts in man, in his spirit, by uploading something to his soul called understanding. It hits here as an inspiration, a, a force. It then has to percolate up and become useful information. Which is why the Bible says we must renew our mind. Because whatever comes here, spirit, must pass through how this has been constructed. And we will see that it was this soul that ultimately fell are you hearing me and when it fell it did two things it cut off the spirit and therefore exposed the body to the effect of decay which is why paul says in romans 7 that it's with the mind that we must serve the Lord. If this covenant koinonia is to work, if, if, the, if the spirit of man 
is to be allowed to become one spirit with God. We must deal with the valve, the control device, the apparatus of filtration called the soul. This makes the rest of the Bible make sense. The entire concept of discipleship is about teaching a soul, training a soul to cooperate. The Bible says that the spirit within us is crying, Abba, Father. Abba means source. The human spirit is longing for, renew, for reunion with the spirit from which it was birthed. Every human being is at some level crying out for spirit encounter. Sadly, many of them are finding it with lesser spirits. It is the job of the soul to regulate the dam and allow the connection take place. And we will see as we begin to move that it is not difficult. It's not hard. Your spirit does not need to be trained for koinonia with God. It comes prepackaged with the capacity and the desire for koinonia. All that needs to be trained is the operating system called the soul. Let's pray. I think, I think, I think we've, we've gone far enough tonight. Lift up, stand with me and lift up your voice and let's pray. And so what we call alignment in apostolic circles is the process of my word now from 2008 of recalibrating your soul of re recalibrating its measurement facility telling a machine this is one centimeter right you got to calibrate a machine telling your car's system this is one mile and this is one gallon of fuel. This is how you calculate miles per gallon. All a computer does is follow logic. If you change the logic parameters, it will change its output. Your soul is simply a mega computer. It's capable of functioning on multiple wavelengths. It's your job to calibrate it, to tell it, these are the parameters and the variables I want you to work with. Unfortunately, it takes time because Satan and his kingdom had a head start. First of all, you inherited Adam's nefesh. <laughs> so you were born recalibrated for evil. And then you had plenty of life experience in that direction. By the time Christ finds you, there are generations of wrong calibration that need to be undone. That's why I said you can make up your mind how far you go with God. All the old covenant was, take the keys up a bit again. All the old covenant was, Amanda, was God trying to help man recalibrate. It wasn't the actual instructions per se. Yeah, he chose instructions that had, see, the old covenant was a masterpiece. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Yeah, okay, let's go till nine tonight. I've got eight more, nine more minutes. And I still want to pray. 
The old covenant was a masterpiece. You know it was a masterpiece, Mandy? It was designed to marry the rules that govern the spirit with the rules that govern the body. Every old covenant instruction had an element that was beneficial for the spirit and an element that was beneficial for the body. The foods we were taught to eat were what science has now proven are best for the human body. The laws of hygiene we now know were best for the human body. I'm not talking about the ones the Pharisees added. I'm talking about the ones God himself gave. They were designed to either better or discipline the body while also creating a framework that would allow spirit access. But their job was to train the mind. They were never perfect. They were to give the mind, the soul, an understanding such that when the new covenant came, it was used to functioning in a certain way. It was an attempt to do with prescriptions what the new covenant would do with the heart. In essence, God said, I'll send my spirit, but first, let me recalibrate your soul. Father, tonight I come in the volume of the book as it is written about me to every man or woman who is also a written volume of your book. Every dysfunction in the soul we break tonight in response to the cry of the psalmist, we say, bless our soul. Bless our soul. Let the hand of heaven bring stability and connection to your reality into our souls. Renew our minds that we may have capacity to walk with you. Remove the barrier. Second Corinthians talks about the veil in the mind. The veil that separates us in the mind from union with you. Learned experience. Demonic training. Fleshy in, in desires and seats of appetites, formed self preservation, pride, fear, fashioned over lifetimes and generations of degeneration. Open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see you. Father, tonight break addictions. Destroy yokes. Heal bodies. Yes. Upgrade mindsets and heal bodies. 
We give you thanks and we give you praise. In the precious name of Jesus, somebody shout to God, O ye people, with a voice of triumph. All right, folks, we're back tomorrow, 7 p.m. It's getting good now, you know, right? The temperature is rising. Make sure you bring someone with you. Also, if you haven't registered for the summit, do so right now. Right now, as you're listening, keep this playing on YouTube or Facebook. Don't shut it down, but just move away from that screen. Leave it playing and go register at summit.kculture.org. Christy, can we put that summit.kculture.org in larger letters on the screen? summit.kculture.org. Go register right now. Also, if you uh, want to volunteer at any point during the summit, um, we are in need of as many hands as we can get across several departments. Uh, there is a Google form in the description of this video right now. If you want to go there immediately uh, and, and fill it out, let's know what days you're free. We'd love to have your hands on board. On the 22nd, so next week, Saturday, of October, the ladies are getting together for an elephant in the room chat, you know, frank conversations about things that, you know, people usually don't want to talk about. And this month's one is eating from the cookie jar outside marriage. I wonder what that cookie jar is. And finally, if you want to give tonight at any point uh, or, or towards anything to do with the vision of this uh, apostolic platform, including the summit, but not restricted to the summit, please go ahead and send in your gift. The details are on the screen. If you are a partner, if you are a regular giver, or you intend to be a regular giver, you believe you've been called to stand with us in covenant, please let us know at contact, no, actually no, at Kingdom Builders, let's put that one up, at kculture.org, because we want to create a forum just for you to be able to give back to you spiritually, practically, and in every other way. All right, folks, we'll see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. Remember, all the watches are still functioning and going live. So tomorrow, 6.30 in the morning, we start with Morning Drops of Glory. In the afternoon at 12 noon, we move to The Gap. And then Tuesdays and Fridays, the press. Of course, the altar is currently being handled across the platform of these evenings. Take care. God bless you. See you. Bye-bye.
yes, yes. Hallelujah. That's the song of victors. Raise that hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are good. Hallelujah. You are good. Your head will not be buried in shame.
Someone's left foot just got healed. I just sensed the touch of the Holy Ghost. Like there was some kind of swelling, like a dislocation around your ankle. The Lord just healed it. If you would move your foot, you would see the pain is gone. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead and turn that neck. The pain is gone. Move that neck. Move it, move it. The, the pain is gone. Jump in the river, jump yes. in the river. 